0: listening to Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica and Heidi. We're a team composed of one black woman and one white woman coming from different backgrounds, but united in friendship. We provide a forum for discussion and action around racial repair, reconstruction, and eventually reconciliation. We are passionate advocates for treating all humanity with love and respect. We contend that hosting conversations gives us an opportunity to develop relationships, and engage with our community to create joint, achievable, and long-lasting solutions together. We invite everyone to come to the table for these podcast discussions, but note that the expressed opinions and perspectives of our guests are their own.
1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back and uh, listening to this fancy podcast, Bridge the Divide podcast. Um, We're feeling fancy because we're in season three, we're calling it ish. (laughs) Is that what we're doing? Okay. (laughs) Right, right. So we um, have, we try to bring in some current events that are happening around our area as we do our conversations about race. And one of the things that we ran into last year, end of last year, was um, some trouble inside of Greendale, Wisconsin, related to race. Um, So I have on the... Greendale homepage, they have a little description about Greendale, so I wanted to read that. Um, Greendale, along with Greenbelt, Maryland, and Green Hills, Ohio, is one of three government-sponsored Greenbelt communities built as a part of the Resettlement Administration under Franklin Delano Roosevelt's administration. Uh, Greendale was chosen due to its proximity to a major city, which is Milwaukee, and had and had to have enough space to develop a village center for shops, community centers, and offices. Homes would be built around the center for ease of walking. So it sounds like Greendale was created as kind of a a model community. And we have some guests with us on the podcast today. We have uh, Deania and Shanice, who are residents of Greendale. Hi, ladies. Yes, we are here. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Um, Deania, can you tell me just a little bit of your story and maybe how you made your way to Greendale?
2: I'm sure. um, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, education was always pretty much important in our family. But the areas we lived in, the schools weren't so great, so we... Um, were usually bussed out with the 220 program, mm-hmm. which I think they since have discontinued, so that we could get um, a good education. Um, but then, you know, we would go back to our homes, which was predominantly black. So it was a little bit of um, of a change because you're with all black people in your neighborhood, and then you're going to school with predominantly white. So I did feel like I had to wear two hats Um, so then we moved to North Carolina for a little bit after I I went to college, I went to North Carolina. Then when I moved back to Wisconsin, um, my friends were telling me, you know, the Milwaukee public schools, maybe it would not be such a great choice. Um, so that's how I ended up in Greendale because when I looked up the school, district, they did really well. They scored very high. I did notice that um, it wasn't as diverse as I would have liked, but um, I did want my daughter to receive the best education that she could. It also is pretty close to Milwaukee and surrounding cities, so Mm -hmm. I thought it might be a good fit for us.
1: Okay. And so, Shanice, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, what grade you're in now, and and maybe how you've felt these 16, 17 years growing up in, in Greendale and going to school there?
3: Yes. So, a little bit about me is I am on the swim team. I'm on the track team. I'm still in Girl Scouts. Um I lifeguard and teach swim classes at Franklin through Park and Rec. And I really like to be involved in the community as much as I can. And um, living in Greendale was um, was great in the beginning until the incident did happen. But um, I had a lot of friends and I liked all my classes and I got along with pretty much everybody, and I like my teachers. So I had a a really good experience living in Greendale up until my 11th grade year um, when I experienced a lot of racism for the first time. So that kind of changed my view on um, how I looked at Greendale and especially the administration. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah. You want to go ahead and tell either you or your mom, either one, go ahead and tell us um, what what occurred in Greendale last year?
2: All right. So it was kind of the beginning of the school year in September. My daughter had been in school only like a week. And then she came home and said um, that somebody called her the N-word. And I said, do you know who the person was? And she said, no, she's new to the school. So I sent an email and said, I want to meet with administration to see what they were going to do about this because we did have a couple incidents the year before that had something to do with racism so I just wanted to see how the school was going to be handling it so I met with the principal, the vice principal, my daughter came, we talked about this and I just kind of said well what are you guys going to do because if you don't do something I feel like this person is going to continue to do it or other kids are going to feel free to say words like that and what is the policy when somebody used that kind of language? And they said, well, it's up to suspension. However, we use progressive discipline. We called the mom and talked to her. And I said, the mom probably taught her that word, so I don't know if that's really enough. And they said, well, if it happened again, let us know. Okay. Well, we left not really feeling heard, not really feeling like they understood what the N-word being said to somebody really feels like. I mean, to me, it's like a physical, it's almost like the same thing as being physically assaulted, just using it words with it. And I just didn't feel like they had enough harshness so people wouldn't want to say it again. Well, lo and behold, two days later, the girl said it again to my daughter.
1: The same At person? At this time. The same girl. Okay. So it to my
2: daughter, and my daughter said, why do you keep saying that to me? Why are you calling me that? I don't know you. You don't know me. Why are you using that word? The teacher came out and kind of, you know, asked what was going on, and my daughter told that teacher what happened, and he said, just go to class. I'll let, did he say I'll let administration know? Or that he'll, no, he just said go to class. He just told her to go to class, so she went to class. And then about 20, 30 minutes later, the vice principal came and told her to follow her to the office. She's thinking like, oh, she's going to just want to know what happened. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So when she went to the office, the vice principal did ask her what happened, but then kind of said she was lying. A few minutes later, she comes into the office with two police officers. Mm -hmm. So my daughter's, you know, very nervous. And the, principal tells my daughter you're not getting arrested this time and my daughter's like
1: mm,
2: you know arrested for what
1: right, right.
2: <laughs> and so they commenced to interrogating her pretty much telling her that you know if somebody says something like that you need to pretty much just put your head down and walk away she's probably going to say it again but you need to just walk away um
1: well and I want to clear I want to clarify something I think I do, yeah. I I think I do have the video which I will try to link give that it the to one you we and we saw control. that was yes. on Facebook yeah yeah yep so we're we're trying to we're trying to the reason why we're a fancy podcast we're trying to get our show notes together so hopefully we will have links to the the video mm-hmm. but I I did want it, the video doesn't show the altercation but I want to make sure that it was that it was a verbal it's Shanice verbally reacting to the female, there yeah. wasn't anything, there wasn't anything physical, there wasn't a fight, it was, it was verbal. It was just, yeah, just why are you calling me that? Um, I think the
2: girl was making faces behind the, another kid, and the actual, actual verbal didn't even last long, it was probably like 20 seconds, hmm.
0: Hmm.
2: and so that's why I was confused, but anyway, as the police are interrogating her, she asked to speak to me, as you will see in the video, several times, and they pretty much tell her, no, she has to talk to the police. Well, my daughter never had problems. You know, she'd never been in trouble with the law, so she don't she didn't know mm-hmm. that she had the right to remain silent, and, like, she didn't have to speak. She didn't know that, and she thought she was doing what was right by continuing to talk to them, and nobody ever called me or contacted me, and uh, I do believe they have a policy where they said any time a kid is taken out of the class, they're supposed to call a parent. Mm-hmm. And I was never called. So I didn't find out till my daughter came home. That was a Friday. And so when I got home from work, she told me this. And I was in shock, of course. I had to ask her to repeat it a couple of times because she's never gotten into trouble before. She's never even got a, a note sent home or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like... You know, I'm asking the same thing. Like, well, did you hit her? Did she hit you? Like, what was going on? And she told me exactly what I'm telling you guys. And I said the same girl, and she said the same one. And I'm like, and this is why I went up to that school and asked them what they were doing. And instead of them talking firmly to this girl about, you know, the N-word shouldn't be said Mm -hmm. or doing something, she felt like, hey, you know, they're not going to do anything. Why not say it again? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's kind of what happened. So that kind of led up to me meeting with the principals, trying to work through the system to get it, because they ended up suspending her. So she ended up missing homecoming, which was the next day.
0: The other she girl? The other girl or your daughter? No, my daughter. Oh.
2: Because she was suspended, she was supposed to miss one day of school, and then once you're suspended, they said you can't participate in any activities. So I believe that night was the football, football. prep. Like it
3: was kind of like the homecoming, like, it was
2: like the pep rally. The pep rally she missed. Okay. Homecoming. homecoming, and then she additionally ended up miss- missing two swim meets
0: hmm. because
2: she swims. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, they're giving me to run around at school. They, first, they told me what she was threatening. I'm like, <laughs> by her asking, why are you calling me the N-word? was threatening about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then they kind of said, well, we talked about this in a meeting before. So that was Cheney's warning. I'm like, she, we went to the meeting to say that she was called the N-word. So how is that my daughter's warning? Mm-hmm, and she right. didn't do anything. Right. Um, then we ended up appealing it. And the appeal was done by the principal at the middle school who used to work at the high school, who's best friends with the principal. So oh, it was like
1: sure. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but it was like, mm-hmm. really? So I go to this meeting with the principal at the middle school, and I'm like, why are we even doing this? Because mm-hmm. you're not going to go against your best friend.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And we're not really going to get a true investigation. And he's like, well, I was picked, so that's why we have to do it of course, he agreed with his best friend that she should be suspended. And um, so we started to protest, and we did some protest outside. And lo and behold, other students stepped forward and said that they were caught inwards, right. that they had went through a lot of mm-hmm. racial tension in the schools that I was not even aware of, or my daughter, I don't think. So I think with us coming forward, it gave other kids courage mm-hmm. to tell their story, too. So
1: um we're we're going to um take a quick break right here and then um come back and and talk to Chinese some more about about how this how this whole situation felt we'll be right back We are back talking to um, Diania and Shanice about their experiences in Greendale um, last year. So, um, Shanice, while this is all happening to you, what's going through your mind? We're talking about, you know, the facts and trying to get the objective information out there. But what did that feel like? What were you thinking?
3: Um. Well, when the police came in, I was very surprised and scared. So that really changed my view on how I looked at Greendale and administration as a whole because I felt like I was in the right and, you know, her saying she was just going to go look at the video and then come back with police officers, I was like, you know, scared, you know, and they wouldn't let me call my mom. Mm. So after everything happened, Um, going back to school, I was scared because I didn't know if the same girl was going to keep saying it. And then, you know, I keep getting in trouble for saying, you know, why you keep saying that to me. Um, and I lost a lot of friends over it because they didn't like, um, how we were, me and a couple of friends were, you know, feeling and they didn't understand it, or they would say they we're being over or whatever, mm. and and that I was bringing bad attention to the school, and mm. that I was betraying them, and it was kind of a big thing for me, and um, my grades started flipping because I was getting pulled out of class left and right, and mm. you know I was sad all the time, mm. so two of my friends of color, we kind of just stuck together and tried to make the best of what we could because nobody else really understood us. And, you know, we didn't really have anybody to go to to talk to at the school because administration
0: didn't really care about us. So sorry that, I mean, we're just, we're all shaking our heads here in the studio. It just... We're grieving with you that that you were alone, and in this day and age, when people say that we're a post-racial country, which we don't think that's true, but I mean, this is one story out of hundreds and thousands where it's just not it's not fair, it's not equitable treatment, and it's you had to feel alone in your own school, where you know you're a community, you're active in your community, and you're a good student, and um, who you know? There's just no one advocating for you, mm-hmm. and so did did it stay like that? It, it, are you guys um, are you anticipating another hard year for your senior year, or do you have some resources now, or do you have some advocates as you look ahead to the next year?
2: Well, we're actually, you know, thinking about. Um, pulling her out this year just mm. because it was difficult last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of her friends of color graduated, so she won't have them. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's hard for me as a parent to send my kid to a school where they're supposed to protect her, and they're the ones causing the harm.
0: Right.
2: Um, I guess the one thing that Ginny did do was start a club, so I'll let her talk about that. Okay.
3: So, yes, like, um, as everything was going on and, you know, we were doing the protest and we were doing, um, we were going to, like, almost every board meeting trying to get somebody at least on our side and make a point. Um, Me and a friend, um, she graduated, but we made the Black Student Alliance. So that way we could, um, you know, kind of band together and feel safe to talk about issues where everybody understands you and... You know, you actually have somebody in the class that looks like you and, you know, we can Mm -hmm. talk about things and, you know, serious things and, you know, have fun and, you know, kind of be like a united um, front type of thing. So that was really good for us. And um, we got a a poster board, a bulletin board, I mean, and um, we put like posters up there because we felt like there was a lack of representation. So we... um, Put like Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. We put up um, a couple other people up there to you know
1: show that there are people of color who can do things and stuff
0: like that. Absolutely. How
1: uh, how is your relationship with not just administration but teachers, guidance counselors? How are you able to talk with them to say? even if you haven't experienced the same thing, which my, my assumption is if the city is mostly white and the students are mostly white, that the teachers are mostly white too? Um, yes, we don't have any um,
3: teachers of color. Oh, I think we do have one. Okay. have one.
1: Okay, so how how do you convince them that this is an important issue, even if it's not for the 80% of the student body That it's still important that we all want our children to be happy and healthy and, and enjoying themselves and learning in high school before they have to become adults and things get harder. How do you convince them that this is an important thing, a hurtful thing for maybe not everybody, but for enough people that it should be important to them too?
3: Right. Yeah. I, um, when the incident did take place, um, I did have a, a teacher who came out and you know was comforting and sent sent me and my mom um, emails and saying that you know you're not alone and I didn't feel like you were a threat and kind of like backing me up and everything, which um, was weird because you would think that the principal would listen to the teacher. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he's saying I wasn't a threat and you know everything was going fine. I don't know why she didn't, you know, go to your staff, but, um, he really helped me and, you know, had my back and always, you know, talked to me in the hallways and that's how things were going. And we did talk about some issues that were going on in the school and I felt safe talking to him. Um, guidance counselors, kind of the same as administrate, like they just were not supportive, um, the counselor that I did have um miss Matlock she um did not call me down to the office to talk about anything that was going on, you know, never sent me an email, nothing and um one of the other counselors that I talked to a lot um was just one of the people I talked to um, he was not comforting really as well, so I didn't have any counselors. To talk to or um the social worker never called me down to talk to me or anything so I was really really alone, alone. in yeah. this you know this time and so like with staff um I did have Miss um, KK who helped with helped with the Black Student Alliance which was great mm-hmm. so we did have a teacher to help us with that
1: and we all saw this across southeast wisconsin i don't know if it was a national story but we saw it on the news um we saw some publications that that had the superintendent i believe and maybe the principal responding in statements and in news articles um what else has happened with that we had the did the aclu get involved yes
2: The ACLU got involved because the school refused to overturn the suspension. And I just want to add with the staff, like I emailed a couple of the staff who were supposedly around during the incident. Nobody wanted to speak to me. I think they put a gag order. So like even some of the teachers who um, Chinese used to talk to, they kind of wasn't talking to her anymore. And when I, went to her guidance counselor because her grades were slipping. You know, she's like, well, I don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, well, how could you not talk about something that Mm. is such a big part of Mm -hmm. her life right now? I mean, that's affecting her grades. And she should be able to go to the guidance counselor who she's had at that point for three years and be able to talk about it. So it was, it was very, um, concerning for me because Mm -hmm. somebody whose grades have dropped, who's not social, who's not, nine and not happy, I just was very surprised that they didn't have a counselor talk to her. That the guidance counselor felt like she couldn't talk to her, and that she really only had little people there to have her back. But um, after yeah, the media picked up, you know, us protesting and everything, and then um, ACLU did get involved. Um, they wrote a formal complaint to Greendale. Which took them forever to respond. Um, I'm not sure of how many days they were supposed to have, but they went over that by like 60.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which is like everything I feel like Greendale does. It's like let's just drag it out, so hopefully she'll get tired and people forget. Yeah. Um, so that complaint came back. Of course, um, Greendale hired a lawyer who agreed totally with them. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um now we are going through DPI to have finally somebody who's can be objective to investigate this story because I just think if you look at the facts and what happened, you you know, it's pretty clear mm-hmm. that um, you know it was really a clear case of pipeline to school, you know, school to pipeline, where you know you're going to suspend a kid who's never had any issue, who didn't do anything physical. And all she said was, "Why are you calling me the n-word?" Right. I mean, you call the cops. I didn't get a call, and you suspended her. I mean, what? What's the grounds?
1: That just it doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel fair at all. I, I would like to know um, what you want to see. Like, what would be the thing that says? okay, I see that you hear me now, I see mm-hmm. that you do doing what, what would you want to see? What do you think should happen?
2: What I think should happen is the superintendent should, should publicly apologize mm-hmm. to Cheney for what he has had her endure because, as you know, some people, they see one thing or they hear one thing, and that's what they believe, you know. Mm-hmm. If they see you get arrested, even though you might have gone and, and it was a mistake. Everybody don't know that. So they just know, oh, she got arrested. The same with Janice, you know, they're like, oh, she got suspended, she probably did it. And there was so right? there were so many different stories floating around out there, like, oh, no, there was physical contact. Well, there was never any physical contact. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, she knew her outside of the school, which was untrue too. And, um, It was just very sad because, like she said, she's done so much in this community and for them to try to ruin her reputation and ruin, you know, her as a person. I mean, it took a lot Mm -hmm. out of her. Mm -hmm. So that would be, for starters, would be great if (laughs) actually they would admit that they did something that was wrong. I mean, that would help me believe that, okay, by admitment, now they can actually try to move forward Mm -hmm. and not do this to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think also what I would want is to see, more, you know, something in the policies that said if a kid is called the N-word, that they have tougher policies. It should be closer to physical violence. If somebody hits, even if it's one time, they get suspended. I think if you are using the N-word like that, you should be suspended.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm. I mean, why does that kid have to keep going to school with somebody who's using that word that way? Um... Anything else you want to see, Dad? Mostly just an
3: apology because um, it made me not want to go to school and it took a lot out of me, like my mom said, and, you know, made me not want to go to class because of, you know, what people might say or they're talking about it or asking you um, or making fun of you, like, on the news or something like that, so an apology would really help and hopefully help us move forward finally and remove, athletic code. And remove my um, athletic codes that they put on
0: hmm.
1: um we need to head over to another break and we'll be back shortly
0: So we're back and we're still shaking our heads. Um, It's just, it's so sad to hear your story and how alone you felt and how it really ruined your year and it's changed your reputation. It's changed your, your feeling about, you know, living in your community. And a lot of what you're talking about, we see the same attitudes mirrored in our community and surrounding communities where Um, people don't see a problem. They don't want to see a problem. They want anyone who talks about it to stop talking Mm -hmm. um, because institutions don't want to change because it shifts power and the people who are in power want to keep it. So they don't want to admit that anything's wrong, that they've done anything wrong, that they might have more to learn because it will mean a power shift. It will mean listening to people who don't have the power, um, to minorities, to people with, who haven't been given a voice. And, um, I mean, that's what our group is about Mm -hmm. is exposing that Mm -hmm. and exposing those attitudes and asking questions and trying to get people to think and listen. And in the incident that we had in our town where I went and talked to administration, I mean, just same, like no, really no sense of anything was wrong even though the the people who were in charge of the case were in cahoots and and tightly knit and there was no way that an outsider was going to get in and change the way things worked and and that's all they wanted to um mm-hmm. in in our case it was an apology and a policy change mm-hmm. so these, hard, these are echoes
1: it's so hard for I think people it's ingrained. We don't talk about it. It's systemic. Mm -hmm. These suburbs didn't just pop up today. This is it's been ingrained in how they were created. When we talk about Greendale, one of the Greenbelt towns, um, I have a, a dissertation from a grad student from 1968 at Ohio State. And In his research, way back then, he's got a quote, the exclusion of Negroes from the only suburban towns built in the history of public housing is tragically in line with the history of Negro exclusion from suburban America. The boldness of physical planning is hardly matched by the boldness or even the equity of social planning. So even in the creation of suburbs, why they were created? What the intent was of the separation and keeping like-minded people, like skin color people, together and growing? And and I think that people sometimes feel like it's an invasion when someone else comes in. You're not, you're coming into our town and you're still living there. What kind of things are happening? in your town, either in support of you or groups that you all have started or started talking to or start have come into the town to try to help in your community?
2: Um, in our community, it has not been a ton of help. Outside of our community, it has been a lot more help. Um, in our community, there's people who have grown up here, their parents, grandparents, parents, great-grandparents, and they have that mindset of, you know, we like the way it was, Mm -hmm. and we don't like diversity coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I even have people that I, I used to work in Greendale, so I had teachers I worked with, parents I worked with, um, kids my daughter babysat for, you know, they would tell me quietly, or they would call me and be like, oh, that's so sad, but they're not doing anything actively, you Mm -hmm. know, they don't want to um come out publicly and say anything. Mm. It's kinda of like a quote almost like right. we agree with you but, you know, There's I like too to much have my social white capital to lose. <laughs> yep. And it's like, oh, how can be that you can right. agree but then still get to walk around and not get treated right you know right. wrongly. We don't
1: have that privilege right. to hide. <laughs> and just because and this so incident was in very the very newspaper, easy. it's not the only. I, I know no. that it happens so many times in so many communities, including our own. And just because it's not in the newspaper does not mean that it doesn't happen.
2: Right. So, but we do have a small group of parents who have band together and we started PAGE, which is parents advocating for Greendale equity.
0: Hmm.
2: So we just started that group, um, around January. So that's been going pretty well. And we're just trying to, um, help the community see that diversity is not going away. Mm-hmm. We are here and it's time for you to embrace it. Mm-hmm. So um, we are going to the board meetings, trying to get the board to, you know, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just trying to do whatever we can to um, teach the community about accepting diversity um, because it would be easy, you know, for us to leave, but how is that going to help the next
1: Mm. It's that comes along. Right. You yeah. know or the children you know, of the other folks that are there because this, this beloved community is in everybody's favor. It's not just you should do this because it will help my child and my child is the only one that needs it. It would be better for all of us. I don't know how to convince people of that. Though.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is correct. And I think, you know, the more... You see people who are not like you and you actually get to interact with them. That's what erased these stereotypes. But when you can go to a Greendale school district from 4K all the way up to 12th grade and never have a teacher of color. Yes. You know, if you never leave Greendale, it's going to be very unlikely that you're going to have a relationship with someone who's
1: not white. Right. And Insert Cedar And then you're going to go to
2: college and then you're going to say things or do things that's going to jeopardize your own future. Exactly. That's what we weird. didn't have that experience.
0: We're trying to tell our administrators around here because they don't have a lot of impetus either because their test scores are also high, probably like Greendales, mm-hmm. and they, they don't see a need. But you're going to go out into the big, bad world, people, and mm-hmm. you are going to be, you know, English speakers are like 5% of the world Whites are whatever, but declining in America, and you need to learn that you are not. The world doesn't revolve around you if you're a Caucasian person, and I can say that as a Caucasian person. Right, (laughs) I'll just agree. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes,
2: and I guess I do want to add that you know because she was suspended, it affected her student athletic code of conduct, so she has a mark against her, and she's an athlete. And yeah. she only got that mark because she was suspended. Hmm.
1: And so you're s- still trying to get them to take have, that off, right? I'm sorry? You're still trying to get them to take that, to take I'm that still mark? trying off? to get
2: them to take that off. And they're still like, oh no, you know, it doesn't go to her college. Okay, but she doesn't deserve it. She right. didn't do anything to deserve it. And you're still punished. It's still like a punishment mm-hmm. for standing up for yourself. hmm. Mm. And so that's, you know, I guess that is another big thing that we are still fighting for, that she should not, even if they take off, let's say that, you know, in a great, wonderful world that the superintendent apologized to Cheney's and he takes off the student code of conduct. Still, does that make her whole? No. No. Right. (laughs) She still has gone through so much, like that's the minimum they can do.
1: Right. And getting people Um, to empathize. People who have children the same age, people who have children that are athletes, children that are getting ready to go to college, trying to get them to empathize, to say, if something like this happened to your child, you know, you would be just as vigilant and mm-hmm. trying to get it rectified trying to clear the slate and how, why can't you understand it when, when Deanna is doing it?
2: That is why, you know, that's what I don't understand. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of these people in this community just don't want to ruffle feathers, you know, Mm -hmm. because it is kind of small and it's sad because if this didn't happen to my kid and happen to somebody else's kid, I would be out there with them Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want it to happen to my kid. I don't think any kid should have to go through that. And if they did something like that to my child, what are they doing to other people who maybe didn't go or, you know, who just hung their heads down Mm -hmm. and didn't go to the media or didn't protest? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: How many other kids are being mistreated?
0: The the depth of people's beliefs is tested by the inconvenience and their own, you know, if they give up some of their social capital, or some of their time, or some of their standing, that's going to show the depth of their beliefs. So we, I hope that there's some Greendale listeners right. that decide, you know what, it's worth standing up with this family mm-hmm. because otherwise, change won't come, and I don't want to live in a community like this anymore.
1: Right, right. And I, I do have um, on our on our show notes. I'm so excited when I say the show notes on the show notes, we're going to link out. There's a, an article that came out this past week um, talking about your situation uh, An open letter to Greendale high school. Your racism is showing by Brian. Is it potier potier? Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll have a link to that article out there. We will, um, like we said, try to link out to the body cam that shows the, the, I was going to say interview, but I feel like interrogation word, Interrogation yeah. of her on the school property and try to just keep our listeners involved and and um, try to support you all as you try to mm-hmm. work through this.
2: I really appreciate that. I did share that open letter to the superintendent that Brian wrote, mm-hmm. and his response was, how does somebody in Central America know about racism in Greenville? Mm-hmm. So this is the type of person we're dealing with. He could play the I was just direct this time, And I was just like, <laughs> once again, shocked. Like, this is who Grade that wants to represent the school.
1: But, you know, I think that's that people forget too that white people who live in the suburbs have the choice to not right. pay attention, not get involved, mm-hmm. not to see to miss it to not understand it they have that option and it doesn't change their world at all mm-hmm. you can very right. easily sit in the suburb and just not see and it's fine it doesn't change your life it doesn't make anything more difficult for you but for those of us who are not in that situation who are desperately trying to get you to open your eyes and see we're this is this is constant and we're just trying to show you i think we we posted something that said we don't want we don't want your apologies we just want you to break down all of these uh, barriers uh in the in systemic racism just break it down so that we can all have some kind of equity but you've got to see it first and I guess if we keep talking about it, maybe somebody you know, else think,
2: Yeah, like you said, if you don't see it, it's easy to keep walking by or rush it by, or oh, maybe you know this isn't the case. But for a lot of people, like I said, even people I know, which was heartbreaking, even people that my daughter knew for years, you know, they were like, "Well, why are you t- saying this about our school? Everybody's not a racist," and it's like, really. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying everyone is a racist, but in this situation, she was treated unfairly. Right?
0: Absolutely. And if you tolerate it, it's not going to change. Not you, but mm-hmm. the administration. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So is there anything that we can do to support you besides share your story?
2: I think this is definitely helping. It's sharing the story so that the district knows that, you know what, this is not going to go away. And they need to face it, and they need to actually do something about it. Um, and I'm hoping that, like you said, other people in Greendell will have the courage to say, mm-hmm. you know, what? I am going to stand up. I am going to ask what's going on. Maybe they'll look in the joining page. And um, I think this is happening in a lot of suburban areas. You know, I heard Shorewood have something like oh, yeah. this mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, it seems like it's an issue that it's affecting a lot of African-Americans or people of color in these suburban areas, mm-hmm. and um, we have to continue to fight, you know, we because do.
1: my daughter deserves a great education, too. That she does. That she does. And we
0: wish you a, a good senior year, Janice, one that's healthier and... Lots of swimming, and lots yeah. of running. <laughs> Less emotional than last year. Not that we want to wrap everything up in a bow and have a happy ending, but we, we want you to have a good year because you deserve it. And I hope you get to go to a college where there's wonderful, open-minded people that yeah. get what you're trying to show yeah. the people of your community and that you feel supported and like not, not unlonely, not isolated, because there are a lot of people that see things the way we all do there's just not a lot of them in the suburbs that are willing to stand up and say, say that. So, um, yeah, we'll be sharing your story um, on our podcast soon and we'll stay in touch with you guys. Thank
1: you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We appreciate it too. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life. Or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community. And on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.